0: Oh, Lord. You know, that song is something that we sing every year. In fact, Kelly was sharp. She started off the service with that when we're kicking into the Christmas season. The lights are up, the trees are up, Thanksgiving. Woo, that was gone. Now Christmas is already here. Everybody's already decorated their streets, their houses, because we want to be ready for Christmas. What does that song really mean? What does that phrase mean? Joy to World. What does that mean? Now, some have gotten it right, some haven't. We actually live in a country where that song is very familiar to most everyone, not everybody, not as much as it used to be, but even those that you think don't know, they've heard the song. They've heard it on the radio, they've heard it at Christmas time. Some have even written other songs. Have you noticed that in the movies or? just on any radio station you might hear a christian phrase or a reference to some person or scripture in the bible and you know the song has nothing to do with christianity or the movie has nothing to do with it they just but you know that they know about these stories and about those phrases and about those bible verses and this was true when i was growing up there was a song it was called joy to the world now not all of you will know this group or uh the particular song, but it was on the radio, and I had to you know knowingly confess to my children that this was actually my favorite uh rock group back in the day, okay so but it was joy to the world. It went something like this: joy to the world to all the boys and girls now, joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. See, those of you that know that song are old. You're old. (laughs) See, you're old if you know that song. And listen, the reason we know that they didn't know what they were writing about when they wrote the song is because the song starts out like, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, was a good friend of mine. No, they had no clue as to what that meant. Okay? And that's... That's true is that we we know this phrase, even a lot of people in our country know that phrase. Now, there are people around the world who have never heard the song. But joy to the world is a reality that we need to know how to declare and portray. If we don't understand what that means or how it is to be lived out in our lives, we don't get it, they won't get it. So I'm in. I'm beginning a series and we're going to talk about, from the perspective of the Christmas story, we're going to talk about this joy that was given to the world. We're going to do this for four Sundays. So I'm going to encourage you, don't miss a Sunday. Be here. It's the Christmas season. If you need an excuse, you need to be in church at Christmas. I don't know. Whatever gets you here, you need to be here for the next few weeks and hear what I have this, today is just an introduction as we look at what that really means. Now, I, I've just, I, I know that as I go out into this world and I've been in it for 24 days, I've been gone uh, on the road, going in and out of places that I don't normally go and meeting people that I've never met, some I knew very well from years gone by. I actually have had. 88 personal contacts with people in 24 days. It was very busy from morning till night. And some of those were lunches, some of them were conferences where I would talk with people about getting involved with the mission that I'm now beginning to transition to. That's what I've been doing. And so we are going to learn how to embrace our call to the whole world. Jesus is all about making disciples of nations. And so Pete has been challenging the daylights out of you, and I know it because I've been hearing the sermons, challenging the daylights out of you when it comes to reaching your neighbor for Christ and this becoming a place where people will actually dare come through the doors on a Sunday morning. And so so I'm going to, in our, by the way, he presents himself as, Co-pastor, those of you who have been coming to the church only in the last month and you've never seen me before, uh, I am the other part of the co, okay, to co-pastor as we're in transition here. But, uh, But, you know, all you have to do is go sit down in a restaurant. All you have to do is go to work tomorrow, and you'll discover that the world is still looking for joy. The world still does not know the full implications of what that means. So, what is it? What is this joy? How does it happen in my life? How is it experienced? When when do I get to know or experience or feel this joy? Where is it? That's the real question I'm going to answer in the next four weeks. Where is the joy to the world? Because from the world's perspective, many will say they don't see it. They they can't distinguish between what you might be talking about and what they're seeking after. And so how will they know? how will they learn how will they taste how will they experience so one of these days while gone i was in charlotte and i was in meetings all day long and it was late at night i was by myself i was leaving the uh leaving the 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 it was actually a hotel where i'd been meeting people all day and i uh, had missed a meal or two, and so I was on my way home, and I was just hungry. And as I pulled out onto the street, I saw an Applebee's, and so it was late at night. They didn't; they weren't even open much longer. And I walked into the place, and there's no hardly anybody in there except for the uh, a few people who were working, and uh, and a couple of people sitting at the bar. And so I walked in, and I just thought I really had this. Well, I was hungry, for one thing, and I really had an urge. I'd been with people all day. But you have to know the difference between me and some of you. I'm the kind of guy who's with people all day, and it just brings me to life. I want to be with somebody else. I mean, I'm, I'm that kind of person. Some of you would be exhausted at the end of the day, having been with people all day. But I, I feed on it, and I walked into the room just alive and on fire, and I so said, I've got to talk to somebody. And there was nobody sitting at the tables. There was only a couple. There were only a couple of people sitting at the bar. In fact, there were no waitresses to be found. And it was because they were about to close. And so I know this is going to be hard for some of you. And my mother sitting here, she's going to have a tough time with this. I was sat at the bar. Okay, I sat at the bar. Okay, so anyway, I sat at the bar and and I ordered my meal. And as I was sitting there, the uh, this. This guy walked in the door, and I realized as I I began to realize that of the few people that were around, they were all of a different shade than me, and so and I and I also began to realize from what somebody had told me of and uh, and the location that I might have been in a part of town where a lot of people lived that were a, a different shade of color than me. By the way, we're all people of color. Have you noticed that? Uh, White and that are not the same thing. You ever notice that? Okay, so we're all people of color. So I'm sitting there, and the TV's on. It's post-election, and you see the riots, and you see the discussion, and you see what the atmosphere is like, and I look across the sky, walks in the door, and he sits about two or three seats away from me, and he is of a different color. And so I thought, this is perfect opportunity to break down a wall. And so I said, uh, hey, man, how you doing? Well, good, good. Said, uh, said, uh, so uh, you're coming in late tonight? Just, went in, just got into a discussion with him. Found out he was married. He had one girl, child. We were talking about that, and he was laughing and thinking, talking about how hard you know it was having a baby and, and uh, how crazy his schedule was and all of that. And I said, well, are going to have more? And he said, Oh no, man, this is it for me. This is it. And I said, Whoa, now wait just a minute, man. I said, You, you know, you you gotta give that little girl some some brothers or sisters. I said, you, you need it, you know, I had five. You need at least five. And so I'm, you know, I'm getting into this discussion he says, Oh no, man, I could never do that. I said, Yes, you can. That little girl needs brothers or sisters. And piping up out of nowhere. The girl behind the bar yells out or raises her voice, You got that right. And she walks over and she says, I don't have brothers and sisters. And this year has been the worst year of my life. She said, My father died. My mother and I have been at each other. And I had to leave home. I had to quit school. And I'm just trying to make it right now. And she said, I have nobody to share my grief. I'm looking at her. I'm thinking, this girl needs something. She can't see. it. Now, this guy and I have finished our conversation. He walks out the door. As he gets to the door, I yell out. Got a little bold because nobody's there, you know, just a few of us. There were a few other people at the bar. So he's walking out. And uh, and I yelled out, more children. <laughs> and he laughed and went on out. And she came over and I called her, hey, honey. Listen, I was in the South. Everybody calls everybody honey, okay? And I'm 61 and she was like a college girl. I said, hey, honey. I said, listen. I said, do you know? and looked down and then she looked back at me and she said, well, I consider myself a person of faith. Of course, I knew that meant she didn't really know what I was talking about and so I said, honey, I said, you know, you're going through a hard time and I'm telling you that who you need And I began to share with her a little bit. Not long, because she's waiting on a couple of other people. And I began to share with her a little bit. And then she looked at me and she said, where do you go to church? I said, well, I, I don't live here. And I gave her a couple of suggestions because I know Charlotte a little bit. And, and I said, listen, if I did live here and I went to church, I would have already told you. And I would have already invited you. And so we talked a little further in the night. You see, the hunger. the person who is smiling when you walk in the door. she was nice to me. she was smiling. You know, she was working. I, I would have never guessed that she was going through what she was going through. Joy to the Christian is partly true but the idea and the story of Christmas is joy to the whole world leaving nobody out now i'm going to prove it to you first let's look at the christmas story because um, here's what I've discovered about a Christmas story. It is all-inclusive. When you read the Christmas story, if you know enough about the New Testament, even about the Old, if, you know, if you've read enough and then you read the Christmas story, you'll begin to realize that the Christmas story has contained in it a lot. There's a lot of what we call gospel in the Christmas story. There's a lot about Jesus and who He is and why He came. But there's also a lot about how God works with the us as people revealed through how he worked through the characters of the Christmas story. And so over the next few weeks, I'm going to reveal some of that. It's always a fresh perspective. I read it every year and, and see it from a different light. I, I want you to look I want you to look this year at the Christmas story through the eyes of someone who does not know about the Christmas story. Look look at it through the eyes of someone who really doesn't understand what joy to the world. Maybe they've heard the song, but they don't really understand or know what that means, joy to the world, and how that applies to them. So let's look at the Christmas story from the perspective of those who were in it. Now... What I'm going to do is, uh, is start with Zacharias. Now, Zacharias was the father of John the Baptist. Uh, he's the beginning of the story, really, uh, in, in Luke. And I'm not going to have you turn there. I'm just going to make reference to a few, and then you might turn to one specific scripture in just a moment in Luke, if you want to go there, Luke chapter 2. But um, But... Zacharias was a, a, a priest and he was interceding for the people and, uh, and he was, there were a whole group of people watching as he went into the Holy of Holies and he's praying alone in there, just he and God. And, but what you have to realize is that God has not spoken, God has not expressed himself to his people in 400 years leading up to this moment. You're talking about a hungry people. I want you to imagine, those of you who are Christians, and you know what your relationship with God is like, I want you to imagine Him not responding for 400 years. I want you to imagine Him not speaking to you for the rest of your life, see? Well, they had gone through 400 years without God speaking. There was such a hunger and a need or this thing called joy. And I've discovered in the story this time that joy shows up on every page. That there's something being delivered back to the people of God that had been lost. And of course, we know that this is about the coming of the Messiah and God becoming man and coming. And we know that's what this story is about. But I want you to see it through the perspective of people. They do not know that the Messiah is about to come And here's how the announcement played out. It was all about meeting their lack of joy. The angel shows up to Zacharias in that holy place. And he says to him, and I just have phrases I'm going to pull out. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. And he's talking about Uh, that Elizabeth, his wife is going to be pregnant and they they are old in age and they've never had children and they feel uh, shame from that. That would be in their culture. Uh, It was shameful. It was as if God was against you if you didn't have children. And so they had felt that shame in their own culture. But uh, the angel shows up and says, Zacharias, you're going to have a child. It's going to be a boy. You're going to name him John. And he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. And so uh, he says to him, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. This is the, the first words from being sent from heaven was an announcement of joy. But Zacharias did not respond very well to that. It was as if he did not believe what the angel had said. And he said, really? I mean, you've got to be kidding me. You know, my wife? You know, we're old. <laughs> and and uh, the angel, this is where we find out his name, because Gabriel was a little taken by his unbelief. And Ab- you can feel the hair rise up on the back of Gabriel's neck as he sees the unbelief of Zacharias. And he says, and I can feel the tone in his voice, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But you didn't believe. You didn't, you didn't believe that what I had for you was good. You didn't believe that, that I'm, my message here is a, is a message that will make you glad. It's a message of joy. And you come to me in doubt and disbelief you can't, you can't understand the joy. You'll never know the joy if you don't believe it. You know, here's what I've noticed about even Christians and our understanding of what this joy is. We, we get it all wrong. Some of us have been Christians a long, long time, and we still don't get it. Now, here's how I know. Carol, my wife, has been teaching this Bible study for years. She's had a ministry. Throughout the nation, even the world, books, radio, television. I mean, she's writing devotionals uh, that go online. She's got all this stuff happening all the time. And the name of the ministry is Just Joy Ministries. So I some of you may think that like she's on some kick that that she believes that we should always be happy, that we should never. Feel the grief. That we should never, if we experience anything other than quote, joy or you know, the feeling of joy, then we must not be very spiritual. And see, if, if you've listened to her at all, you know that's not what she's talking about. That that name, just joy, came out of the fires of depression. That name, just joy, has been tested over and over and over again in her life, our lives, and in your life. There's something about the joy of the Lord that is just completely different than what our natural minds can conceive of. It is a supernatural thing that takes you beyond your, your, your ability to just simply mentally understand the concept. You really, you really have to understand what it means to connect with God himself to understand it, because it has a su- supernatural dynamic to it. There are still people today who argue with my wife, people who have listened to her for years, and they still argue with her about that message, that you shouldn't always teach and preach joy, because people don't always feel joy. People go through hard times. However, that you can always stay on that message. See, that's That response is coming from people who don't understand it, who don't understand what that is. This is not a feeling. This is not a circumstance. This is not something that makes me, that just, that has to do with my happiness only. I mean, God wants us to be happy, yes, but does he promise constant 24-hour thrilling happiness? No, he does not. He actually promised tribulation if you want to know the truth. What we're talking about here is deeper than that. What we're talking about is something powerful. Some people will just not believe that there is a joy to be had. That's the truth. Now, Gabriel goes to Mary and tells her that she's going to have a child. And so she is pregnant. He also tells her that Elizabeth, her relative, is also pregnant about three months. And and so Mary just immediately goes to Elizabeth, probably partly to get out of town (laughs) because she's not married yet. She's engaged but not married, and she's pregnant. So she goes to Elizabeth for three months. And uh, um, uh, or when Elizabeth was three months pregnant, sorry. And when she got there, she knocks on the door and Elizabeth opens the door and immediately something happens. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit in the moment and she feels the baby move and she out of her mouth come these words, for indeed... As soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. The babe leaped in my womb for joy. There was joy in response to the greeting of Mary. Now here's what I want you to notice about that happening. It was not just a response from John to Jesus. It wasn't just the fact that Mary had Jesus in her womb And so John was responding to that note. He responded, the Bible says, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped. You see, joy is not only believable, Elizabeth believed. Her husband, Zacharias, had such a struggle with it that Gabriel shut his mouth until the baby was born. Maybe he'll be happy after all of that. And he was. Elizabeth believed. In fact, it was so believable, it was unbelievable, if you know what I mean. And she was ecstatic, but she believed. But it's not just believable, joy is transferable. Mary spoke it just out of her greeting, came an atmosphere that penetrated through the ears of Elizabeth to the child in the womb. This joy is transferable. You can actually bear the fruit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. If you bear the fruit, people will taste it. They will taste it. People who do not know the Lord can taste the fruit that comes out of your mouth, that shows in your atmosphere, that shows in your life even when you're going through the hard thing. Instead of withdrawing from God and everybody else, when you're going through the hard thing, that's when the real stuff can bear fruit. You know... The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not just your feelings. The joy of the Lord is not just, you know, a circumstance that makes you happy. The joy of the Lord is something that comes from the Lord. The joy not from the Lord, the joy of the Lord. It's His joy that is in Him who is in you. That's the joy. Of the Lord, which is your strength. I mean, you think God intended for you to be without the power of strength? His strength comes from this thing called joy, which has nothing to do with the smile on your face. It will produce a smile on your face even in hard times, but it has to do with something that's down here. It's on the inside, and it was transferable. Your joy in the Lord is transferable. That doesn't mean, you know, that you're going to cause everybody to go to heaven, but you will give them the taste of something that now they're going to want more of. If you live it, they'll taste it. Then Mary responded and said, My soul... Magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Here's a girl that was being rejected by the people in her community. Here's a girl who who was being looked at. You you you, this it's totally different today, and what was going on in her culture then. She was, she could have been actually, she could have lost her life over this. And so this, this girl is is. Despised by her community, but she is raptured in joy, rejoicing in the Lord in worship. Joy is found in worship. You worship the Lord, and everything gets out of the way. Your focus on yourself and your issues and your problems become less when God gets bigger in your life. So worship, worship, oh, magnify the Lord. And as she worshiped, she rejoiced. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, who was in her womb, by the way. Well, Zacharias caught on. Once he had been, he'd been pinned up, you know, for nine months, and little baby, uh, what's his name? John, yeah. Little baby John was being born, just making sure you were still there. Little baby John was being born, and, and they wanted to name him Zacharias, and Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. and. Zacharias said, and, and they said, oh, you know, we don't know a John in your family. And that was very common. You, you were called by the name of your father. That's true in a lot of cultures today. And so he got a tablet out and wrote on it, no, his name is John. And as soon as he did that, his mouth opened. And the Bible says immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising God. It was almost like, you know, the dam had broken. It was like this thing had been pent up in him. He he for all that gladness he didn't have over the message of Gabriel, it had been building up over 9 months and it just exploded when his mouth opened. And he gave praise and worship to God. He knew of that joy. He knew the reality of what God was doing. He knew that his son was preparing the way for the Messiah to come. Even the Magi got in on it. They weren't believers in Christ. They knew of some Messiah that the Jews had said would come, but they weren't Jews. The Magi magi lived far away, but they studied the stars, seeking, seeking to see either the hand of God or whatever they could discover. And God spoke to them through the stars and actually led them by a star to Bethlehem. And it says, now this is a year to two years after Jesus was born. It says that as they saw the star over Bethlehem when after they got there in Jerusalem, they saw the star over Bethlehem, it says, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. I, 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 you've got to catch here that the Christmas story is about an announcement. It's about an announcement that overrode the depression of a culture and a people, of the whole world, a world that had not heard the voice of God for 400 years. Even the people of God, desperate, desperate to connect with their God and the Messiah that had been prophesied over and over. Would he ever come? And so they were desperate for this joy. They were joyless. These people that are in this story were joyless people. And the angels came and the star came and there was an announcement being made of joy to the world. And of course, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, this is, this is the key. Now there were in the same country shepherds to this identified group of God's people, but to all. This is why we sing that song, Joy to the World. It's to all people. That was the announcement. This is what the angels came to tell us. You joyless culture, you joyless world, I have something for you that will produce in you something that will override every thought you ever had about joy. It will cause every thrill of what you thought would make you happy to be insignificant compared to what I have for you. I made you. I know how to fill that gap. I know how to put you over the top. I know how to give you what you need. And I've come to announce it. I'm announcing it. I bring you good tidings. We're using old English words. Good tidings of great joy, which will be to your neighbors and your coworkers and your family to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to quickly read several verses. It's just phrases from verses that describe what this joy is. Let me just call it out quickly. This is Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. David was in sin or had committed sin, and he was praying, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. 1 Peter 1.8, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. See, that's, that's something above what we think of when we think of joy. It's something that has a supernatural flavor to it, a supernatural characteristic that takes it beyond really what Peter's saying here is, I don't have the words to express. You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's something in God's presence that he calls pleasures. We're out looking for other things that we call pleasure to give us joy. and they are nothing compared to the pleasures at the right hand of God.. That should be a series. What are the pleasures at the right hand of God? John 15:11, here's Jesus saying it. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Ooh. Take that one home and meditate on it. That my joy may remain in you, not leave, and that your joy may be full. John 16, same discourse. He says, your joy no one will take. John 17, 13, same same night, he's saying this. These things I speak in the world. You understand that he is talking to his disciples. So you see that as he's talking to believers, and he's talking to them about unbelievers when he says this. He says, these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. These things I speak, whereas there has been no spoken word for 400 years, Jesus comes on the scene and just, you know, he just lets it all come out, especially over about a three-year period. Just word, 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 God speaking, God speaking, God speaking. These things I speak in the world, a joyless world, that they may have my joy Fulfilled in themselves. And then finally, Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God, listen, the kingdom of God is not, they're not walls. The kingdom of God is, is not just a, a, a church service. And he says, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God described. This joy is not just a fulfillment to be experienced. This joy is a person to be known. Have you ever had somebody make you happy just because they're just a delight to be around? They never pass judgment on you. They were always affirming They always believed in you. You know people like that? Even they falter, right? Nobody can live up to that, right? Jesus can. He lives in you to be your strength, to affirm you, to strengthen you, not to pass judgment. Listen, just living in a fallen world, judgment takes care of itself. Jesus came, not to condemn you, but to save you from that judgment. That person living inside of me, knowing that person is what changes my atmosphere. Knowing that person and having an intimate relationship with Him is what changes my disposition. It's where my strength comes from. The joy is not just from the Lord. It is the joy of the Lord. It gives me strength. Where is the joy? The joy is the who in you. Jesus. Joy is the who in you. Now I'm going to close with a quick story. Whew, boy, I had a, an experience it was a divine appointment, I met a man, actually got an email from a friend who knew that I was getting involved in a particular nation, I'm going to speak in code because this is being recorded and I'm finding myself involved in in scenarios in people's lives that cannot be made public, so uh, I'm going to be a little code worthy here in my story. But my friend sent me a message, email, and said, Hey, man, you need to meet this guy because he's, he's from the nation that you're beginning to get involved with. And so uh, it's a nation where um, Christianity is kind of a new thing. And so he said, You need to meet this guy. He's from there, and he's banned from the com- from the country. Okay. And he lives in one of the areas that I was visiting, and so and I'm talking about just a couple, of, a few weeks ago. So I was traveling here in the U.S. and I went to a city where he was. I was meeting other people in that area, and I had breakfast with him. Okay, I'll have, you know, I'll have breakfast with him. And so this guy sits down. He had just come back from the country that he was banned from. We couldn't reach him by phone, and that was why. He didn't tell anybody where he was because he was banned. He would actually fly into the country next door and sneak through the border to go in and out. Well, he's banned for a very good reason. About 10 years ago, he started a ministry because in this particular nation, there much of what you hear about with trafficking, with the traffic of young girls being used uh, for sexual financial gain. And so much, a lot of it comes out of this little country. And so what he did was 10 years ago, he formed a team, a lot of them, girls that he had rescued and had brought restoration to with his ministry. And so he took some of these girls and he lines them up across the border of this nation, working with the government of that nation to discover the trafficking that was coming across the border. And so the girls would just kind of hang around, and as cars were stopped, the girls would see who was in the car, and they would be able to recognize what it looked like when they were crossing the border, and they would alert the border guards, and the border guards would have them get out of the car, come in, come in you know, just look at your passports and whatever. And they would take them into, they would separate them, and then the girls would go into these girls, the room where these girls were, and they would give them an out. And they would get them out of this trafficking scenario. And so they have rescued, in 10 years, they have rescued 90,000 girls. 90,000. Now, so they've been able to separate them, and they have sent hundreds of people into prison over these 10 years. Now, you got to let this play it out now because this guy is now wanted by the mafia of this country. And so they have given him an ultimatum. And his ultimatum is you can do one of three things. Either you get out of town, get out of the country, or you can pay us back for all the money we've lost from all these people you've put in prison, which is impossible. Or we will kill every family member we know where they are. So they had to leave the country. He still sneaks back across the border. Okay, so, so this guy, you know, I'm having breakfast with this guy. He's very calm and very nice and kind and telling me that he's moving that day. And the reason he's moving, see, is because he has to stay on the move. They can't just live in one location for a long time, even in our country. And so he's on the move, and he's telling me about all this, and he says, he says, here's what we do. Now, you want to hear about joy to the world. Here's what we do. Not all of the 90,000 have stayed with us for restoration. Many of them just leave, and many of them will end up back where they came from. He said, what, what we've done, though, is we have safe houses all over the nation, and we have this huge ministry now where we offer to every girl the safe house. And if they go, and many of them have, when they, if they go, then we give them months of restoration and help them get back on their feet emotionally and, re, and find their identity again, which, you know, most even, you know, even in America, if you've been in jail for so many years and you get out, you end up back in jail. Why? Because it's, it's the only life you know. And so they give them the restoration process by people who know the Lord who are bearing the fruit of this joy that is now being discovered by these girls, and most of them come to Christ. Most of them become Christians. And so as they're being restored, then he gives them a trade. He actually teaches them how to sew and make clothing. They have their own company that nobody realizes is their company. And they what they do, though, with these girls is they teach them the trade, then they send them by threes. After a period of time... They send them by threes into a village. One is a mentor. The other two are being mentored. But they start a business of making clothing. And they, they're very good at it. And so the community catches on and begins to, you know, purchase these, the, these, these girls making clothing for them. And then these girls, all of this is intentional. Then these girls, they make, they make money and they put some of it aside so that they can help other girls start businesses. And they go out into the community and invite the young girls to come in and learn the trade. What's happening? They are preventing them from ending up where they ended up by giving them a trade, a way to make money for their families. And so they come in, they learn the trade, and then they start building their business. And they borrow money from that account where they've been putting aside some of their own money They borrow from that account to start their own business in that community. And here's what's happening. As they get those girls involved, they're leading. Those girls come in and say, why are you so different? What is it about you? What is this atmosphere about you? Where do you get that strength from? I know where you came from. Where do you get that strength from? And they're leading all these girls to the Lord. Now listen, if you walk into that community and you try to plant a church outright open in the air, you're going to get rejected, persecuted, maybe pushed out of town. There are churches being planted, but they're hard. It's hard in this particular place. And so these girls go in, and they're leading people to Christ, and they're having their Bible studies, and they're worshiping, and they start a church. Young girls. Don't think God can't do things a different way. And those girls start churches. And then the government comes in and says, whoa, 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 wait just a minute. We didn't know you were doing this. We we didn't want this to become something where, I mean, it's okay if you have a business, but now there are churches all in this community that are because of what you've done. And the community rises up and says, wait just a minute. These people have brought an economy to our village. These people have brought an atmosphere to our village. These people are saving these girls from ending up in the same place where they were. You, you just get out of town. We, we go. These girls are good. We're on their side. Joy to the world. See, it's not just about, it's not just about a feeling, an emotion. It's about real life change that produces fruit that other people can taste and helping them in practical ways. These villages are changing because of what these girls are doing. Now they're starting businesses all over this country. And so this guy sneaks in and out. but He's got this huge organization going on and they're literally changing communities as a result. Now for me that night, It was a young girl who had lost her dad, who was in the outs with her mother, who had had to quit school. But who in your life needs a taste of the atmosphere? Listen, Pete's got high goals. He's trying to get you to think outside the box and above where you've been thinking. When it comes to Christmas services, that's the easy evangelism, is it not? Everybody wants to do something at Christmas time. Everybody's open to going to a service around Christmas. This is easy. So let's do it. Let's pack this place out. Let's let them taste. They'll taste it in you, but they'll taste it corporately here together. And then they'll continue to taste it in you. See? Because the joy of the Lord is the fruit of your relationship with Him. let standing stand together. Close your eyes with me. If there's anybody here this morning who cannot say that, who would struggle with my question,